In the U.S., living with extended family is increasing. 31% of children in the U.S. now live with at least one additional adult in the house as well as their parents, so normally a family member. 10% live with one or both grandparents in the house. So let's take a look at some of the benefits and challenges this brings to marriage and how to make the most of it if you do have family living with you. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to OYF.support. Once again, that website is OYF.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a warm and fuzzy episode for you this week. This is episode number 213. And today we're going to be talking about living with extended family. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we went over how to work through betrayal trauma. We've had some good feedback on that episode, people telling us it's been really helpful for them. So go back and check that out if you've ever been through betrayal. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. Okay, let's get into the topic of living with family. Well, as we noted in our opening, it's becoming more and more common in the USA. That's where the stats were from, probably in Canada as well. But in other cultures, it's actually been the norm for a long time. Mm -hmm. So families from China, India, most of Southern Europe frequently live in multi-generational households. Mm -hmm. And families from these cultures living in America are also more likely to have more of the extended family living in the home with them. So So not just parents. Is that what you mean? Yes, not just parents, but what I'm saying is it's particularly, it's more normative for some cultures than for the Caucasian white middle class culture in North America. Okay. But even at that, economically disadvantaged families are more likely to live in extended family households. So for example, if a young couple can't afford their own house, they may remain with their parents. Mm -hmm. Sometimes too, you know, we use the term economically disadvantaged, but in this context, it can also mean that there are people who are doing just fine financially, but they live in very, very expensive cities. Right. Okay. So this, that can be part of what's going on there too. Yeah. So what are the upsides and downsides of living with family or having family live with you? Well, often the issue is around practical matters. So there's financial benefits and possible consequences. Mm-hmm. And and those can be positive or negative consequences financially with regards to the amount of resources that are available to the couple. So on one hand, couples can benefit from having extra income coming into the house from other people's jobs or pensions. Mm-hmm. And that can reduce the financial strain. It can increase their quality of living. Okay. Okay. So that's one possibility. And sure enough, one uh, group of researchers found that having extended family living in the same household could help the couples better manage their financial difficulties, especially in more economically deprived families. Having grandparents or other family members around can also provide other resources like childcare, practical help around the house and emotional support. So it can enable you to, to find an economic advantage. Okay. Many couples living with their parents find that having their mom and dad at home with them can be a real help during times of crisis or instability. So that's more emotional then. Yeah, for that side, for sure. On the flip side though, it's equally possible for extended family to be a drain on the couple's resources under different circumstances. So having extra adults in the house who aren't contributing to the household income can increase the financial strain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and equally having to care for elderly parents or having to live with siblings or other family members who you don't get along with can be emotionally draining. Under yes. those circumstances, the marital happiness is likely to suffer. Okay. So okay. it can go either way. Yep. Now, another potential impact on the financial side is if, if you as a couple are depending on the financial resources of others, you may end up with less independence as a result. So you may trade yeah. some of the financial benefit for the sense of freedom. So if you're relying on financial help from your parents, your parents may expect to have a say in how the house is run or where you spend money or in renovations or decorations. Right. right? Yeah. And that can lead to frustration and a lot of conflict. In the marriage or between you and your parents or what? Possibly both. Okay. Possibly both. And we'll talk about how to balance that closeness and autonomy towards the end of today's show. Okay. So what about relational impact then? Yeah. So extended family living in the same household can either be good or bad for the bonds between you all. Maybe it can be a mixture. That seems like such a like redundant statement. Like, of course, it's either going to be good or bad. Okay, fair enough. But Many couples find that having parents or other family members with them can strengthen the bond they have with them. They're able to see them more often. They connect on a more meaningful level. Okay. And they see themselves as part of the same family units. They just expand their concept of what the family unit is. Yeah. And having good relationships with the others in the house naturally makes the marriage bond stronger. So, so that can have a carryover effect. Equally, it's also possible that having to share the same space and having to share practical tasks like housework or caring for elderly parents or young children can create tension and conflict, which then okay. rubs off on the married couple. Okay. So again, it can go kind of like the financial side, it can go either way or the emotional side. Right. The relational side can also go either way. Okay. So once again, for today's episode, we've created a bonus exercise for couples who are thinking about inviting family to move in. Or even if you are in that place and you realize you haven't really thought it all through, this guide helps you weigh the pros and cons and discuss that with one another, like you and your wife or you and your husband. Also, we included some work for you to do on boundaries so that you can help everyone be clear about roles and expectation. And that, of okay. course, that goes a long way towards reducing conflict and having yes. everyone on the same page. Yeah, You can get that by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day to day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about the relational impact. So let's pivot a little bit now. Say you're in the situation or about mm -hmm. to enter into it. How do you make it work? So maybe this is another redundant statement, but first of all, take the good with the bad. Okay. Extended family may be a drain on resources, may be a drain in some ways, but it could be a blessing in others. So for example, living with parents may be financially costly, but the added support and closeness you get from them may be worth it. Or having a sibling in your home may occasionally lead to conflict, but the practical help or extra income from a sibling may offset that. 
So if you have to do this and you want to do this, it's part of the task is learning to see the good and making the most of it to help kind of make up for the ways in which living with that person or persons is difficult with okay. those family members, right? Yeah. So that's kind of taking the good with the bad and really kind of, it's a, it's a proactive, deliberate perspective that you're going to hold there, right? Yeah. Have, having a good attitude, I guess, is what you could call that. Just seeing the positive. Yeah. Second, focus on stability. Stability in the household is a strong predictor of marital satisfaction and the well-being of children. So that's uh, some evidence out of a study from 2011. This can be negatively impacted if family members are regularly moving in and out. If you have a rotating door, this fluctuation in who is living in the house creates an unstable environment for children quite often and can increase stress for the married couple too. Really? So Yeah, yeah, it can because the coming and going, right? And like, you know that if we ever have somebody come here and stay with us for a little bit, you adjust. There's right. an adjustment yes. to that. You have yes. to get used to that. It's like, normally you can walk to that bathroom and it's free, but now it's like, uh, there's someone in there. But don't they always uh. know, like, I go to the bathroom after breakfast or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. So those are the kinds of things that, and those, that's just one minor example. Okay. So the thought there is that if extended family is going to live with you, it's better to have them fully commit to staying long term or committing to a decent amount of time rather than frequently moving in and out. Now, sometimes you just got to help family, yeah. whatever, that's yeah. fine, right? But we're just saying if you have the choice, I'm just going to put this out there too, not to stereotype or uh, put people on a witch hunt, but most abusers are male and most abusers are related to the child that they abuse. Uh. Doesn't mean that all male relatives who want to move in are abusers, but by any means, do set some of your boundaries around protecting your children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do some research on the profiles of abusers. Be extra cautious if you know that this has been part of your family history. Okay. So that's just kind of something to to commit to here, right? We, you know, that would obviously be a huge cost that we would all be unwilling to make. We can't always prevent it, but yeah, this does create a possibility. Okay. That might not have been there otherwise. Uh, next. Set and unrelated to that, I'm not going to keep coming back to that, but set clear boundaries. So boundaries generally, like living amicably with extended family requires you to set these clear boundaries and expectations in a couple of key areas. One is ownership and leadership. So this is like everybody setting boundaries. It's not like, you know, I am going to be the head of this home and it's all going to be my boundaries and my rules. And if you come in, you have to abide. It's more like everybody's got their own boundaries. Yes. Or am I right? Or is it just well, one healthy, person lays down the law? Well, first of all, healthy boundaries are about finding happy, adaptive ways of loving each other, not laying down laws, okay. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you're moving in and you're contributing to our family income, mm-hmm. right? So are you expecting to have a say in renovations, in where we go for holidays? You know what I mean? Like okay. are you expecting to come on trips with us? So I think it's about exploring the strings that come attached with different things and what okay. those expectations are. So let me go through this and, and just, but sometimes, yeah, you might want to just be clear about who's making decisions about okay. what's for supper. Mm, you could make that decision every single time. Oh, thanks. So, uh, yeah, we won't divert on to <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So a couple of researchers found that extended family households are often more stable and happy when one individual or couple has more of a say in the running of the house and its resources than the other family members. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. When multiple family members are all living together, it can get confusing as to who's in charge, especially when couples live with their parents, where it's like there might be a, there's a parental authority dynamic possibly. Okay. Or siblings. Like what about that older sibling rivalry or a younger sibling rivalry or anything Mm -hmm. like that? That can lead to conflict, to disagreement over how things should be done around the house. So having one couple being more in control of how the house is run can remove this tension. As long as everybody knows... Yeah, and, and is on board with that yeah. when they when they come into the arrangement. Okay. And then there's childcare as well. So Yeah, that could be good and bad, hey? Yeah. Having extended family around to help with childcare can be a good thing, of course. Family members though having too much of a say in how your children are raised can lead to conflict. Like uh-huh. when you're about to correct your child and you know, your mom gets in there first or your dad or whatever. Uh-huh. Right. So for example, uh, some researchers in 2010, they actually studied Muslim families living in the UK. Okay. They found that mothers of young children often came into conflict with their own mothers as to how the children should be raised, as the older woman often had much more traditional views. Uh, yeah. Now yeah. this is cross-cultural, but it's still this larger family dynamic, right? This actually led to increased symptoms of anxiety and depression for the young mothers. Wow. So that's a snapshot out of one culture. But for any of us, setting clear boundaries on how much of a say other family members have in child care and child raising is important when you have family mm-hmm. in the home. Mm-hmm. So that's tricky. But yeah, because it would be so easy. Like if you're in the home, you're with them all the time. It's almost like a parent relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That'd be hard. So boundaries. And then, and then the final area to kind of think about is balancing family closeness and autonomy. So closeness with your extended family is one of the main benefits of having them live with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's leaning towards the concept of relational closeness there, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But it needs to be balanced with autonomy, independence, and having adult ways of relating to each other. Yes. Okay. So for example, if you are a couple living with parents, you want to be cautious around becoming too dependent or even slipping back into, you know, sort of family of origin, parent-child roles. Like how do you mm-hmm. come to this as adults living together who, yes, you are the parents and I am the child, but I am not a child, I'm an adult. So what right. does this look like now, right? So you have to find that new way of relating to yeah. each other. Huh. Yeah. So one researcher looking into this uh, with regards to multi-generational extended family in the same house, they he noted that he or she, I'm not sure which actually, noted that this works best when there is, number one, autonomy for all family members. So people are allowed to make their own choices. Okay. Number two, mutual exchanges of support, not just parents supporting adult children. So it's not just that you get a babysitting role, but I'll also drive you to your doctor's appointment or something. Mm-hmm. So it's... That is like so stereotypical, but... Sorry about that. I get what you're saying. Just yeah. trying to make it relatable. Yeah. <laughs> and number three, the adult children forming, as I said earlier, forming adult roles and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So let it, you know, if to let your adult kids be adults. So it's really interesting. Once again, we have a research study that supports the advice or really the commandment of the Bible. Scripture says right at the beginning of our Bibles that a man needs to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That's Genesis 2 and 24. Mm-hmm. And that leaving is in, you know, that needs to be a relational pivot away from parent-child towards adult to adult. Mm-hmm. Even if the physical venue in which you live has to be a shared space. Yeah. And so that autonomy, the mutuality, the independent adulthood are all part of that important shift, whether living together or not, really. Yeah, that's true. You still so, need to develop that adult relationship. Yeah. And often in North America, for those of us that don't live with extended family that come from a Christian background, we take Genesis 2 and 24 and we think, yeah, there's no way you should ever live with your parents sort of as a default, but that doesn't work everywhere. 
Right. Or for everyone. Right. So you can still be autonomous and independent. Yes. Even living under the same roof. Yeah. This takes a bit more intentionality. Okay. Yeah. So whereas people that, that don't live under the same roof might come to that autonomy more naturally without having to think it through. When you do live under the same roof, you're going to have to get out there in front and manage that properly. Yeah. Be proactive. Yeah. Proactively is what I should have said. All right. Let's wrap this up. All right. Thank you to Keith, who became a patron between this recording and the previous one. And to all our patrons, thank you for your support. Every month, it makes this possible. It this does. This podcast. So thank you. Next week. We're talking about the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which is a very large study conducted in the USA. It identified issues of childhood trauma, and then it followed those study participants into adulthood to look at their health and their social impacts that came from the adverse experiences of their childhood, their childhood trauma. And so we're going to look at how early trauma comes to impact marriage and adulthood. That should be fascinating and helpful. Yeah. That is all for today's episode, though. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 213. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever. 